Well, hello there, and welcome to True Crime Bones, with me, your host, Marissa Bones. And in this episode, we will be discussing the case of the 37-year-old Elsie Mase Chabalala, who was stabbed to death outside in broad daylight by a jealous ex-boyfriend, 36-year-old Tabang Leonard Mokwabe, who used the same butcher knife he used to slaughter cows with at funerals. On October the 13th, 2019, which was a sunny Sunday in a small town called Fiji, just outside of Kimberley, Northern Cape, South Africa. This led to Dabang being handed down the sentence of life imprisonment just last week actually, which was Tuesday, March the 16th, 2021. But first, a new Patreon shout out to Shawaya from Abnormal Heights Podcast, which will be launching very soon by the way. But in the meantime, you should definitely check out her Instagram page at Abnormal Heights Pod where she posts weekly true crime content and everyone's favorite, memes. Welcome to the Skeleton Crew, Shoya, and thank you for the support, as it really means and helps a lot. I will add all the necessary information and links in the episode description, as well as on my Instagram page at truecrime.bones, Plus, the Patreon link will also be available if you would like to support this podcast and become part of the Skeleton Crew. So with that being said, let's get into it. First, start with the victim. The woman whose life was brutally cut short. In the same street she lived. In fact, it was three houses down from her home. Now this all happened in the small town of Ritchie, it's just outside of Kimberley and the reason I add the fact that it's just outside of Kimberley is because Ritchie is so small um, that the basic stuff, you can get like your milk and bread, stuff like that, you can get in Ritchie, but everything else, please, you go to Kimberley, it's the closest town nearby. And, in fact, Kimberley is where I grew up in. Kimberley is not big, but compared to Ritchie, it's the biggest town you, you can find. So, just that to give you an idea, I mean, if you drive through Ritchie, if you don't look up in that one minute, you missed it. It's gone. Now, 37-year-old, Elsie. Chabalala lived with her family in the home. They all shared together in Ritchie, which is a normal thing. Um, well, for us, South Africa. Well, you know, everyone together. Elsie was also financially responsible for her 76-year-old grandmother who 
suffered from two strokes after Elsie was murdered. Need to say the family is not doing well after this, after the murder. I mean, what family wouldn't? It, it's it, it's horrific, but from the sister, what the sister, Elsie's sister said, grandmother barely talks. She was at the trial, you know, every court scene, um, hearing everything, but a body gave in. Now, the family came together to take over the financial part that Elsie used to handle for her grandmother, but things are still still hard, and they're all in mourn, mourning. So, it's, it's, it's tough, it, it's sad. Um, luckily, Elsie didn't leave any children behind, so that's when... One good thing. Now, with that said, next we can talk about the murderer, Tabang. Tabang Leonard Mukubai, one of three brothers, one brother being a pastor in Swai. He slaughtered slaughters cows at funerals, as it's what some cultures do in South Africa. The other brother being a truck driver. And just like Elsie, Tabang was also financially responsible for his 61-year-old mother, as well as a very small child from a previous relationship, as well as the woman he was seeing at the time, which was not Elsie. Yes, you heard me right. It, it was dated. At the time, was it even dating Elsie? As she broke, she had broken up with him three weeks prior to you know, him murdering her. After they've been in a on and off again relationship since 2010. Where in that on and off again relationship, he had a child with another woman and, you know, dated other people. It was, it was a weird situation. Um, they would constantly, okay, she would break up with them over and over and he would date other people. He was allowed, you know, be happy date other woman, have child, also date them, her, the, the woman while he was still dating her, then he would crawl back to her, beg her to get, get, take him back, she would take him back, and the cycle would continue. So he was only allowed though to have relationships in between and be happy, not her, no. She, she wasn't allowed, you know. He had he took possession of her. He it's like he owned her. It was a very abusive relationship. Where as long as she isn't with anyone else, everything, you know, it's okay. But this time, what made the breakup 
different what you say. And I want to say break the camel's back because that's not the right thing to say. Um, the cherry, like the, the explosion, the main thing that happened is the fact that this time when she broke up with Tabang, it wasn't because of, you know, his cheating, his behavior, him being abusive towards her, is the fact that she left him for someone else, another man. And he couldn't handle it. She fell in love with someone else and she wanted to be happy. But Tobang on the other side said, nope, that's not how it's going to work. Now, next, we're going to get into the murder. Now, despite Tobang's lawyer's best efforts to portray him as a productive member of society, who didn't pose much of a threat to the general community, as he was a man recovering from a broken heart, who, while being not highly emotional, went to confront the woman who broke his heart, and that this murder was in the heat of the moment, a crime of passion, if you will. Where on October the 13th, 2019, he went up to Elsie, was outside, confronting her about a new boyfriend, Sizzle Glasser. Now, what was exactly said between them is not fully known, um, as we only have, from when she started screaming, what uh, bystanders heard witnesses heard and then from his testimony which we will get into later but we also will learn that um Tabang's testimony yeah he's not a reliable witness which shouldn't come as a shock so exactly what happened up to her pleading for her life we not we will never fully know but he went to her next thing but a screaming pleading begging for her life as she was on her knees and clapping her hands together in a praying type motion as this was happening that's when Tabang grabbed her hands together with his one hand and stab, started stabbing her with his butcher's knife. It's absolutely horrible. Now, it's the same knife he used to slaughter cows with. Elsie obviously screamed and tried to get away, but to no avail, as one of her arteries were severed in her neck, while another of her, the six stab wounds, penetrated the upper part of her chest and lacerated her lungs. 
butchering her in broad daylight in front of people, as well as a screaming young boy who would go on to testify um, in court to this horrific event. Hence, I were able to know that how it happened word-wise, what was said, but only from when she started pleading for her life. Now, needless to say, the efforts of Tabang's lawyers didn't fall so well. I mean, if you have that, what happened with Saul? With the added fact that, um, if we take into account that, 13 years prior to this event, he was handed down a suspended sentence for um, assault, which, yeah, not a lot of information is available about that. And the fact that he threatened Elsie, as well as, I don't know, for me, the fact that he, as a man who is supposedly grieving, um, you know, recovering from a broken heart, but is already dating someone else, I don't take that. That also for me is like a add-in. I mean, can't be recovering that hard if you've been dating someone already. So, we will be getting into the events of what happened leading up to that day and that day itself. Okay, we'll start by getting into the love triangle. Or should I say like square? So this is quite a, it's quite a, a situation. Now, as we know, Elsie broke up with Tabang three weeks prior to him murdering her. Now, at first glance, it's not that out of the ordinary, as she broke up and then take him back, and break up and take him back countless times over a nine-year span. But, no, this time it was different, because this time it was for another man. Cecil Klaassen, who is originally from Grafrenet, a small town in the Eastern Cape, but was temporarily situated during this time in Erichi for construction work. So that's how they met, small town. I mean, everyone, one person comes in their town, you're gonna know. So, Cecil would actually go on to state, to testify during trial that he had been in a relationship, he and Elsie had been in a relationship since two months prior to her death. So she was, they were basically, well, they were already taking, so she was basically having an affair with Cecil Plaza. Um, before you know, breaking off a relationship with Tabang, who, by the way, was also having an affair. That started months earlier with the woman 
we would continue to date until the trial. So yes, Elsie um, was already dating Clarta and before technically breaking up with um, Tabang, as well as Tabang was, she was at least two months prior. Tabang was already seeing this woman. Um, I can't give you an accurate month, but it's, I know it's over four months before, um, you know, she left him. And still he was saying, I don't know much about the cheating side, obviously, but um, I would think if, if you're in a relationship and your woman, well, cheating, and the woman in your relationship breaks up with you, even though she doesn't know you're cheating yet, you continue on dating this woman you were cheating with, isn't that like a win? I don't know. But also we have to take into account he is a possessor. It wasn't as much as him, her leaving him, but it was her leaving him for someone else. The fact that he lost her, the ability to control her. So that it's it's yeah. Now at first. Elsie and Tabang, after the breakup, no, just, just after it, um, Tabang, uh, Elsie would still talk, I mean, it's a small town, but then things would slowly start escalating, leading up to that three-week period, or in that three-week period, as he would constantly come over to her house when Klaasa was at work, you know, hang out. It's like... It didn't kick in, the fact that she broke up with him really this time, no. But at the same time, it was for her, also a new, I don't know, I'd say, thing. I mean, okay. she, they are still in the same mindset, even though she has someone else thing. If you are in this pattern, mindset, abusive relationship, unhealthy, you don't just get over it out of night, um, overnight. And it's it's something that takes years to shake, even. And sometimes you're still left with emotional scars. I mean, for those who have been in an abusive relationship, physical or mental, you know. I myself, um, I mean, I still get nightmares. And it's been years later. You have still, it's like you have to relearn yourself, teach yourself, you know, different behaviors, different ways um, of coping. So everything was still new. Um, they all were in this whole mess. But that didn't, it doesn't take away from the fact that, you know, she wanted to be away from him. Then, you know, she wanted to be with someone else, another man. Now, obviously this is an unhealthy situation and the grandmother stepped in. She's like, she, she decided nope. And that's when everything happened. 
as until that faithful Sunday of the 13th of October 2019, when Elsie's grandmother had enough, you know, like she just said no, and invited both of them in, Klaasa, Sissel Klaasa and Tabang, over for a, to join the family meeting on the Sunday morning. You know, so that they all could talk, the men could talk it out, and that, that basically Elsie can choose in front of everyone, you know. Not just you, like, finally, well, she's going to choose, but finally sit her mind right, like, or not mind right, I'm using the wrong words. <laughs> no, if it's in front of everyone, said and done, you know, she would be able to move on. So, this is also for her to choose in front of everyone who she's going to be with and who she's then going to put out of her life for good. Now, this, at this family meeting, was the first time Tabang and Sister Klaas actually met. I mean, it's also a very unique and also unhealthy way of meeting, but it is what it is. Um, it had to be done. I don't know if it's good to do, do things, but either way, something had to be done. Now, after the family meeting that morning, in which Elsie, of course, chose Cecil Plaza in front of the whole family, Tabang went up to Plaza, you know, shook his hand and congratulated him, as if she's a freaking prize or something, and went home, but not before, you know, threatening Elsie. You know, quit thread, find back, and then went home. Stewing and getting worked up, angered of everything. You know, and from there he would go and choose the biggest knife he could find, which was his butcher knife. And go to Elsie. Now, he had a different story, as we'll get into next, a version of events, but from events and everything gathered, what happened is obviously out of hate, the fact he couldn't earn her, and the fact that he was humiliated. It's one that must be humiliating to go through that situation. And took the biggest knife he could find and went to Elsie to confront her. But obviously he went there with bad intentions. Why would he take a big the biggest knife? You know? So it's not a in spur of the moment. I mean, then you wouldn't take the knife. They argued. Well, he stabbed her six times, left her in the street bleeding, and then walked away to a um, sports field nearby and sat on 
the stairs and the pavilion where he was later then arrested just like that so with that said we are now going to get into testimonies made during the trial Dobal told the court that he could not remember stabbing Elsie and he could only recall wrestling with her. As Elsie had been trying to stop him from confronting Cecil. He said, and I quote, I don't remember when and where the stabbing started. All I remember is that we were wrestling where she wanted to stop me from going back into her yard to confront Cecil. I only came to my senses when I felt something hit me on my shoulder. When I turned around, I saw a man looking around for stones. I also heard someone calling me by my nickname. That is when I saw Elsie in front of me and realized the knife was in my hand." End quote. When asked why he had taken a knife from his own when he went to go and confront Elsie, um, which by the way he actually said that he went to, con according to um, Taban, he said he went to confront Klaasa, not Elsie. So, gonna go with here with the fact that he went to go confront Klaasa, but we know it was originally Elsie. But yeah, when the court asked him why he took a big knife, he said it was for self defense, you know, protection. Which, let's be honest, that's call it, call it spade a spade. It's BS. I'm gonna curse. I'm gonna focus on God. Normally, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try not to this time. Um, well, not normally on this on my podcast, but I'm um because a lot in, in life general, so it's it's really hard for me. Um, he why why take the knife protection? Yeah, this is also what the judge used. He said later on during now when he was sentenced. One of the reasons is like he why they charge him with not with premeditated murder so, and not um you know just something that just happened as crime of passion is if he didn't think this through before he wouldn't have taken the knife and walked with it you know and took the biggest knife you'd find there's so many other objects you can take but take the biggest knife when you went to go see her. And I mean, on the walk, he had ample amount of time to think this through, change his mind. So, no, so he was premeditated. it. Now, Tabang also went on to say, um, state that, and I quote, I did not intend to kill anyone. After Elsie dumped me in front of her family, I took Sissel's hand and congratulated him before leaving her home. I did not want to cause a scene out of respect for her mother. 
I started getting worked up while lying on my bed at my place. I wanted to tell him to leave us alone because he was returning to his home soon and I would have to fix the mess while he returns to his family in the Eastern Cape, end quote. Uh, yeah, you can hear. Devon still has that thing. It's still stuck in front that she is his, you know. Um, and what he means with mess is, yes, they haven't worked out well, for an untimely death. Clasa and Elsie, how the relationship would continue forward and since he would only be there still for another couple of months for work before being going back you know, to his home and Graf Renate. But I mean, they would have worked out something, pretty sure about that. But Wang already thinks, you know, he would leave her, she would be a mess, heartbroken, and he would have to come in to save the day. How dare Classy and I do that? Which gives you just an idea of how how his mind works. Dobang also actually went on to state that uh, he phoned Cecil earlier that Sunday morning, you know, before the whole family meeting, and told him that he must break up with Elsie, which, according to you know, Dobang, Class, I agreed. Said yes, no problem. At the family meeting, you know, I will. If she chooses me, I will say no. We will break up with her. Go on. This was, of course, lies. Um, as not only by testimonies made by, you know, Clasa and the members of the family, which proved. Tabang lying, but the evidence, you know, phone call records and all of that also was against him. And so I said, it's unreliable witness. And he, it's because of that, and the fact that, you know, they had to go back and check phone calls and everything, that um, the case, he would have actually been sentenced in December the, uh, last year, 2020. Uh, would have been already been sentenced, but because of delays due to this, you know, I've moved up. By the way, still got sentenced. I mean, he actually hasn't, he, 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 he never even spoke to Klaasa before the day they'd met at the home. Anyway, Tabang said, and I quote, on my way, to Cecil, I told myself that this is not who I am. And I told, sorry, okay. Marina, I've re recorded this for the first time. It was, let me see, 19 times. Now, this, like the whole episode, now this part, but this. Going for the 13th time, I don't know how to edit it in. I thought, need equipment. <laughs> um, but I skipped a quote. Hold on. 
after the testimony testified, or excuse me, facts came in that you know lied everything. Um, Devon gone to say, and I quote, that he was on his way to confront Cecil when he decided to further fix things with, to rather fix things with Elsie, and leave Cecil, you know, out of the matter. On my way to Cecil, I told myself that this is not who I am and changed directions to Elsie's home. I decided not to go closer when I saw her sitting under the veranda with Cecil. I called her and she said she was coming. And I waited for her. Then I called her again. She then joined me outside her yard and suggested that we move towards the corner of the street as she complained that we were starting to attract people's attention. I was trying to keep calm when I was talking to her and she kept on promising me that she would deal with Cecil in her own way. I then told her that I no longer trusted her and would rather go on and deal with Cecil myself. That's when she started pulling me back trying to stop me from going to Cecil. We wrestled because she was trying to stop me, end quote. Now, we have it from his point of view. First of all, he was now on his way to Klaas's house, which by the way, how does he know where Klaas lives? He never actually even had Klaas's number. And if they so-called spoke for the first time that morning, you know, Klaus uh, wouldn't tell where he's living. Klaus just agreed to, you know, say he wouldn't break up with her. Now this is supposedly because we know that didn't happen. But no mention of where he lives, nothing like that was mentioned. We don't know where Klaus lives. So, on his way to Klaus, he would just think, okay, let me know. Let's go to, to Elsie's. Now, it's a Sunday afternoon by now. And I don't know about you guys. But on Sundays, people are chilling. Uh, having Sunday lunch, families get together. That's how things are. Um, so obviously, the class would stay there that day. He's the chosen one. It's just how things are. Um, and he should have known it. I th he did know. So also was he. I think it's this is just it was his way of using his excuse. And getting her outside. He obviously did call her to get outside her house. Um, but he said, um, you know, at first he was trying to be calm. You know, she just said that, you know, she would take care of Cecil herself. But why would she also ask him that they just move to the corner of the street? Because they were starting to get, get people's attention. I mean, it must mean that Arguing started from the start. It wasn't such a subtle, you know, conversation. 
I mean, it's a small town, everything is in this but people start talking very loud. People are going to watch. But because also it's a small town, people are so used to being outside in the street. It's still like an old-timey town, you know. People are playing outside, being outside, just chilling. It's not like you can go to a mall or anything, whatever there. Anyone has everyone. So that already shows. You know? And I took the part where he's like, she um, saying, keep saying, you know, she's gonna take care of Cecil, you know, on her own way, as she keeps, I mean, I think that is like where the pleading part came in, where she actually pleaded for life and he saw it as a different way, but I, that's just speculation on my part. Don't take that with it's it's my personal way, um point of view. Now Debang stated that um that was the last thing he remembered about the fight. He was arrested at a nearby stadium by police. Sorry. Helicopters. By the way, ironically, it's the police flying by. Yes, to those outside of Africa. And it's been keeping up with where I live. <laughs> and unfortunately, the, my dangerous surroundings has had a shooting. Just last week, actually. It's a week ago, to be exact. Um, no, please not all showing up quick. You can now, you know. We do have the occasional helicopters. <laughs> please, helicopters. I'm just joking. Um, continue to the police. Um, arrest him. He said, and I quote, when they arrested him, I put the knife down at the pavilion stairs and waited for the police. During the arrest, I realized that I had thrown my whole life away, end quote. Yes, because it's all about him, not the fact that he just murdered a woman, traumatized so many people. No, it's him. And, I mean, if he can't remember much, like, you know, you can't remember anything from, um, the when he went up to her, there is I don't remember, but he can recall her pleading as a result, and this stuff just doesn't make you know, it doesn't just it, it just doesn't add up with that. Tabang Leonard Mukubai was found guilty for the murder of Alsi Masai Jabalala, who had stabbed six times and left in the street to die. And on March the 16th, 2021, was handed down a life sentence by the Northern Cape High Court. The judge 
Lawrence Lever went on to say, and I quote, The accused did not show remorse and made the murder sound like a mistake that he made. He did not, he did not take full responsibilities for his actions. Instead, he said sorry for ruining his own life by committing the murder. He felt he had control over Jabalala and felt that he owned her. No one has the right to do that. It is unacceptable in society. End quote. I mean, Judge said what we're all thinking. When the sentence was handed down, uh, Tabang broke out in tears. He did kind of try to apologize to the family who was there court, you know, grandmother, just but it, not the judge, nor, you know, prosecutor, family, um, said that that apology was sincere. They all said that, that apology was more to him for himself. He apologized. It's, it's just, sorry, you got caught. That he did this in the sense like he ruined his own life. Not the fact that he ruined everyone else's life as well. Family is happy, you know, he was to hand down the last sentence. Um, but as I said, they. It won't heal, you know, won't bring them her back. Now, with this, I will put out a photo of um, Tabang Leonard on my Instagram at truecrime.bones. Firstly, due to reasons I couldn't find kind of why um I spoke to a this officer I know in Kimberley and I tried to find out what's the reason he just said I don't know but Elsie's won't there's no release made um no media no no one except obviously a family has is allowed to have any photos of Elsie. That's why it was also such a hard thing for me, I can't give you, like, but if family did for a living, unlike with Tabang, the two brothers. So I'll be sharing a photo of Tabang. Unfortunately, there won't be a photo of Elsie. I'm sorry. I did try everything, but law is the law. And unlike the other people here who discuss on this channel, but not your podcast, I try and abide by it. Um, well, and it really will come well to find. If you made it to this end, then thank you, you legendary listener. Yes, you. I mean you. Thank you for listening. You are amazing. Each listened means a lot 
So yes, when you go to sleep tonight, or whenever after listening to this, you tap us on the show and be like, I'm legendary. Because you are. Thank you so much. And once again, I also just like to thank Choya from Abnormal Heights Podcast. Check her out on Insta for supporting me on Patreon. And that helps a lot. As you guys can hear, when I woke up, get better. I can't do it without you guys. So thank you for that. And remember, stay safe and cry. Never sleeps in South Africa. Ta-da!